Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You know, we're going to hate homers. Everybody everybody here got power. I think, you know, trying to do too much is is, is the key that, that we're struggling right now. I mean, we're not really struggling, but we, we didn't hit this, this too serious. So, uh, you know, being being nice to the ball and, and let, the, let, the, let the game come to us is it's the key to, to get back on track. What's up and welcome in. You're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad that you're aboard. Open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood, on Instagram, IGJHood. Glad to have you in today. We'll hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs, as you just heard from Javi Baez. We'll hear from uh, Jesse coming up in... Seven minutes right here on ESPN 1000. Also, we will uh, unveil a new segment for you. I cannot wait for the bear season. I can't wait for NFL season. We will bear down with you coming up at 835 on ESPN 1000. Also, there is a new new heavyweight champion. Ray Flores is going to tell us about what happened over the weekend when it comes to boxing. We'll hear from him coming up at 845 here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by Bird Dogs, the most comfortable shorts known to man. Go to birddogs.com and use promo code ESPN and get a free pair of nunchucks with your shorts. Um, So I see that now after, boy, it took all weekend for this to be able to come to pass, but it's happening now. You can legally gamble in the state of Illinois. And I saw the legislation, I saw the you know the stories are coming across and you go onto the state of Illinois website and you see all the things they're trying to pass. You see marijuana has been passed as well and now it is sports gambling. Uh, so I started thinking about this topic of sports gambling. I will tell you that if it's not college football season, I'm not really into being able to place a wager. Uh, and that's just going on to a, like a sports betting website and be able to lay a few dollars here and there. And that's just from a website. And I'm just wondering how different this will be for some that you can be able to go to a place and gamble. Now, I've seen a lot of information out there regarding where you can go to be able to place wagers once this thing is official. And so there's a talk that there's going to be a mega casino that could take place here in Chicago. We know that you can't do it in Indiana or Wisconsin or Iowa or Indiana or Wisconsin yet, but you can definitely do it here in the state of Illinois. Friday was the last day of the spring session, so they had to be able to get this done last weekend you know, for the this past weekend, or they would have to wait until November. Think about that. If they didn't get this legislation passed, then it wouldn't be in time for the Bears and Packers game. So they had to make sure they try to get this done before the spring session ended because Friday was the last day. They extended it out to the weekend, and finally they got this thing passed. I've been reading about how there are, are these gambling experiences these sports books in New Jersey and in Pennsylvania. And this might be the business model of what we might see here in the state of Illinois. So could you imagine going to Wrigley Field or Guaranteed Rate Field or going to 
um, SeatGeek Stadium where the fire play or going to the United Center to be able to place a wager on the game that you're going to watch or other games while you're there at the sports venues. I think it would be very interesting. Also at racetracks as well. Um, that you can go to some of these racetracks and you'll be able to do that. I'm, I'm wondering if the changes made at Guaranteed Rate Field and Wrigley Field, all the changes they made, I wonder if they made those changes as far as you know, making more of a fan experience or for the, the White Sox being able to have more places to drink, you know, having bars and restaurants now around Guaranteed Rate Field. I wonder, did they see this coming? And same thing with the Cubs. I wonder, did they see this coming? where they want to have Gallagher Way and be able to have these places because you just never know, right? You never know if this is going to be legislation that's passed. And so you decide, well, you know, let me get, let's me let get the building right for it. But it seems like something that's going to happen. And um, I guess the only thing that was a head-scratcher for me is if you're already a gambler, a sports gambler, how does this change one way or the other? Like if you are already on an app, right? If you're on an app and you gamble that way, then why is this different? See, the difference for me is is that I don't want to stand in long lines. I'm not a line guy, if I can help it. I want to stand in long lines to be able to place my wager when I can actually do it on my phone. Now, for those that are not inclined to be able to go to a Bovada or go to a website, I, I, I guess... It's kind of cool to be able to go to your favorite sporting event, go to your and play, place a wager. So I went to Facebook, right? Facebook.com. And I asked this question. And you can put this uh, also at ESPN 1000, Felix, because it's, I think it's an, a question I'm just very curious about. If you are a sports gambler, how does this change or enhance your gambling experience? If you already gamble and you already are on apps, being able to gamble legally in Illinois, going to a sports venue, how does this change how you do business? So Graham Daly on my Facebook says, if the juice is too high in order to for everyone to get their cut, most of us will still use alternative means for better payouts. That's how it's going to affect him. Mike says it's going to be great to go to a local casino and place a wager in a sports book. It's like bringing Las Vegas clearly to your backyard. You go to a casino locally, state of Illinois, and be able to to place a wager. Um, my cousin Wiley jumped in. He says that I I can say goodbye to Bavada and bet online and and get away from those fees. Um, Dale Damick says that Illinois fees will be higher, especially with the local teams wanting a cut. And from what I've read. There are no Illinois fees to this. So there are no fees. That That's actually a break for you and I as sports fans. If we want to be able to delve into this, he says that there's going to be Illinois fees are going to be higher. It's There are no fees. So that's actually a positive in the right direction. Um, th- there's a lot of uh, comments on here, some good and some just saying that, no, I'm going to continue to stick with my guy. Um, Vernon says that it's going to be very tempting uh, truthfully, I still like the nickel and dimes and that I do every time, you know, that I do several times a year. Uh, Bob says, I'm going to keep my book. He says, I'm not going to ch- I'm not going to change. Chris says, I'm going to stick with still going overseas. Um, and Teddy says, I'm going to keep my book because of the credit. So for some of you, it's really no different. 
And I'm just thinking like, okay, you can gamble in, in the state of Illinois, but if you can easily do it on the app, why wouldn't you just do that? Even if there are additional fees to Obovada or to an app, why not just do that? I, for me, if I'm going to a game, I'm probably passing up the sports because I don't want to stay in line. You know, and, and I think that the Vegas, I guess when you go to Vegas, for many times I've been there, I guess the attraction is, hey, you're in Vegas, you can be able to place wager. I remember my first bet, my first wager <laughs> was a UIC Flames game against South Florida, college basketball. I took South Florida and won. Thank you, Seth Greenberg. <laughs> that was that was his team. <laughs> I took the took like the. I said, let me just try this for the first time. This is like I don't know in the nineties or early two thousands, whatever. And I I was able to win there. But I for for me, I'm a guy that if I'm going to do this, it's already have an app for this. I only gamble sports gamble during the college football season because uh, I know that I can win money there doing college football. So I just. I find it interesting. So Representative Bob Rita was on with Carmen Yurko and was talking about a number of things regarding this topic. Um, will this be up and running for the start of football season? Because everyone's focused on if this is going to be ready for the um, the Bears-Packers game coming up in September. Well, it, in, it, the bill comes effective immediately upon the governor's signature. And then, you know, the, the, the Illinois Gaming Board, and, and we're going to hope that they, they could get through that emergency rulemaking and to have that up and running. All right. So, Bob Rita, what his thoughts on, on him. Also, um, they're talking about uh, the, a block geo radius betting for this app. Listen to this. Yeah. So, after 18 months, there's three master online licenses that could be awarded, which then that's when it would be open uh, for the state of Illinois. Oh, okay. uh, so you don't have to then go in place, uh, go into a facility to register after the 18 months. There'll be three master online uh, sports betting licenses that would be in FanDuel, DraftKings, William Hill could all uh, bid on them, you know, or apply to the Illinois Gaming Board to be one of the master online uh, uh, sports. Board. I mean, it certainly does give the brick and mortar places or the venues now a head start, though, right? I mean, that, that's that's clear. That's why there's an 18 month sort of ban on on just online only. Well, and 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 that's where uh, you know there was a lot of discussion saying you know is it just going to be one or two companies being able to to do this and then would we be able to sell them other licenses to which were tied to some of the you know the, the revenue generated uh, at, in the final it ended up into the vertical uh, capital bill so right. it, it it's it gives a slow approach into this it's not just you know flip the switch and everybody's the the wild west it, okay. it'll 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 smooth us into the into it in 18 months representative bob Rita on with carmen and yurko with a talking about sports gambling in the state of illinois glad that you're with me here on espn 1000 the espn app uh we will bear down coming up after the bottom of the hour but right now it's turn to jesse rogers who covers the cubs for espn.com and jesse joins me here on espn 1000 hello jess Good evening, Jay Hood. What's up, pal? You know what's up? Gambling in Illinois. When you when you heard when you heard the, when you heard that story, what uh, what was your initial reaction? Because it it took a while. If if it if it didn't pass Friday, we had to wait until November for it. So it's been a long time coming. Now it's here. Yeah, I mean it's and it's become a topic on sports radio like never before. I mean, it was you know some football lines back in the day were talked about, right? But now it's going to be obviously we do a show every week, and it's going to probably be every day at the end of the. So it changed. It's changed the landscape of everything, and you know I hear more people, Carmen, talking about betting on baseball than than in my thirty years in this business combined before that, right? 
Yeah. So it's uh, it's a it's a new avenue of of interest for people. That's for sure. Ten team parlay. Let me tell you. Yeah. And and you and I go back to the to the days where what what Jiggins and North were doing were. You know, it was kind of like, wow, they're actually talking about this wide open because nobody else was doing it. Nobody else was doing it besides him, him. Those two and McNeil would talk about that in the 90s, and it was almost taboo because no one else was doing it. And you're thinking, oh, you mean that you have to, you have a guy? You know, that kind of conversation. So, so, but now it's wide open, that conversation. They, they, they talked about it so much that I came up with a formula. Whatever McNeil says to do, go the opposite way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, man. Take the opposite of Danny Mac, and you're bound to make money. Sorry, Danny. Do you th- do you think before I ask you about the Cubs? Do you believe that the Cubs and the White Sox, in particular, were kind of um, believing that this is going to be something that was going to happen? Because look at Gallagher Way. Look at how they were able to to kind of expand Wrigley Field. Same thing with the bars and the, the restaurants around Guarantee. I wonder, did they know that they're going to have to be able to make room for uh, for a betting at some point? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's just a nice little bonus that they're going to make money off of all this. Um, I certainly don't think four, three, four, five years ago when they were renovating everything and building Gallagher Way and putting getting the blueprints down, I don't think they were thinking about this. So this just opened up a new uh, stream of 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 uh, for money and for profits that they I don't think they saw coming a few years ago. I mean, maybe within the last twelve to twenty four months they did, but I don't think when they started all this stuff they had they envisioned the idea of uh, you know betting on baseball and a part of it. Jesse Rogers with me, Jonathan Hood on ESPN one thousand, the ESPN app. Anytime Jesse that you're going through some struggles offensively, you need to have solid pitching and to be able to have some home cooking. And the Cubs were able to do both of that against the Angels today. Yeah, this was a get-well game. This was a get-well game. You come back home, the Angels are here for one day, not even really 24 hours. They're flying from the West Coast, and then they're flying back there. It's, this is one where you get well. You take advantage of their you know, body clocks being off. Uh, Lester, I thought, really kind of bottomed out his last start and was going to start climbing that ladder back up, and that's exactly what he did against a pretty good Angels hitting team, but maybe they were, again, a little bit off because of the travel. Um, and 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 uh, and certainly this is a get well game for the for the bats because the Angels just do not pitch well. I mean, he's one high ERA guy after another. In fact, their opener Bedrosian was the best you know pitcher of the day, and he only threw one inning. Uh, Cahill hung in there for a while, then he started getting hit, and then the, then the relievers started getting hit. So um, they hit some home runs. They had a sack fly there by Russell. They um, a ground ball RBI out. Uh, uh, runners in scoring position. They finally got a couple outs. Baez with that double. So it really was a get-well day for everybody, every aspect of this team. And they needed it. They needed the win, and they needed the way they, they won the game. They needed that to happen as well, and it did. So now, now I think it normalizes again after that little bad streak on the road. And now you get home cooking against a hot Colorado Rockies team. But we know they're not, they're not usually great on the road compared to at home. Uh, but they have won eight in a row. So, yeah, positives all around today. Um, and, you know, it was kind of predictable. And luckily they, they came through and they did it. Jesse, coming into this game, the offensive woes that the Cubs had, uh, what do you, what's tied to their underachievement? Why did they struggle? You know, it's it's part of who they are. Even Joe admitted that today, and Theo has kind of admitted that in the past. But Joe Joe mentioned the past, and, and the, the stuff we've seen recently is not shocking. Uh, leaving men on base, stranding runners in scoring position, um, they're doing it at a higher rate than we've even seen at times in the past. Uh, two long streaks this year already 
of, of stranding men in scoring position, 0 for 25 twice now, just in the month of May. So it's just who they are at times. Now, last year, it was two months of it, you know, where they just went to tank. But but here's the difference, Jay Hood. Here is the difference. They were they were at least getting on base during this last streak. They walked eight times yesterday, okay? Mm-hmm. Almost got shut out, which is a rarity, but they scored in the ninth inning. Last year in the second half, they were stranding runners, yes, but they weren't getting enough on. And I can't stress this enough. If you're getting them on enough, enough over time, you will score enough runs to win games. If you aren't getting them on and you're not driving them in when they do get on, that's a recipe to lose a lot. So during this stretch, they were at least still taking walks, getting guys on, but they were just in this rut of stranding guys. They're, they're not going to be, I don't think, 14th in the league with runners in scoring position. I think this was sort of a bottoming out, but they're also not going to be in the top five. They need to be in the middle of the pack, and two bad stretches in May dropped them down to 14th. So, but again, it sounds like you're, you're blaming Chili Davis right now. Is that what we're, <laughs> it's, 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 No, no, not at all. Not at all, because yeah. if you blame Chili Davis, then you've got to blame John Maley, yeah. and you have to blame Iaposi. They've had these problems for three or four years, really since 16, and maybe it's part of the changing landscape in baseball a little bit, um, walk, home run, strikeout. It, it, and the, you know those three things are happening a lot, and this team in particular has the talent for those three things to happen a lot: walk, strikeout, home run. So they're playing into the way the the, the game is going. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. They're not as rounded as some other teams, let's say like the Dodgers. Jesse, out of all the doldrums that the Cubs have had offensively, you know Hayward's hit the ball pretty well, right? I think a two for four a day with the run. Um, but what, what do you think of Hayward through the first couple of months? I mean, he was great early, came back down to earth, a little bit better lately. I look at that on-base percentage. It's one of those deals uh, you have to lower the bar, lower your expectations. Um, he's, you know, Someone said it to me today, my good friend Denny Kramer. I was in the stands mm-hmm. with him, and it's not some revelation, but you know, I'll give Denny credit because you know, he's not the brightest apple in the bushel. But um, he said, look, Hayward's not a bad player. He's just overpaid. Uh, now again, that's not—he's not the first person to say that. But it, but it, think about that, and it's true. Good right fielder can hit some on bases like three fifty, I believe. He's a hundred points higher than his batting average mm-hmm. last time I looked um, today. So it, he's not a bad player at all. He's just overpaid. So when you take the money out of it, you think, okay, that's you know, he's a contributor. He's a contributor. You'd like a little bit more power, a little bit more, you know, um, maybe you know, r- r- uh, run producing ability. But I, I'll take a 350 on base percentage um, with some pop at least this year. You know he's gonna he's gonna hit 15 probably maybe 20. So that's the way I think you got to look at. It. He's a he's a decent player. He's just overpaid. So uh, what are you, your thoughts on Carlos Gonzalez? Cargo, right? I mean, this is a guy who um, could be a cult cult hero for this Cubs. Again, team. my bar, yeah, my bar was low. He's already exceeded it in one day. He's already <laughs> exceeded it. I uh, like that that he pulled the ball for a nice hit and then walked and then. Obviously, uh, that catch and right was A-plus in my mind. Yep. Going back towards the wall uh, in a park you haven't played that much in, right? Certainly not um, you know, uh, in his first game here. I mean, I know he's played as a visitor, but not that much and not that much in right field. And, I mean, he goes head first towards the, the wall. Uh, I mean, if he dove any later than he did, he's, he's you know, we've got a big problem on our hands. He's, he's going into that brick wall, but he avoided – Actually, running into it and just made that great catch. Just, just a great, great, 
great play. And, yeah, I mean, standing ovation. Cub fans love him already. He gets on base twice. That's the key. What's he going to do at the plate is the key. Whatever he gives you defensively is a bonus, and he got off to a great start. So let's see if there is something left in the tank in, in cargo, and the, and the Indians missed it maybe. Who knows? Jesse, with you being in the stands and Mike Trout being in town, because he's already been here, but he was here today, did you notice any different than, say, Fletcher or LeCroy being uh, coming to the plate? Is anyone like paying attention a little bit more because Trout's at the plate? Uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Really? Okay. Well, yeah, there's Trout jerseys in the stands, and people, you know, perk up a little bit, no doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, it's between Trout and Listella, where you know, right. who do you who'd you perk up more for? Listella. But yes, there's there's I think there's a little buzz when a guy like Trout plays. Remember, he didn't play in the first two games. Um, in the series because he was hurt, but here he is, one game all season at Wrigley Field, and uh, you know I talked to him before the game. He said all the right things about wanting to play at Wrigley, wanting to win. You know, talking about the Cubs winning, he he'd like to win, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I think people perk up when he when he comes to the plate for sure. Okay. And then he missed a ball in center. That was unusual. It was big play there. Yeah, he dropped it. They called it a hit, but that was that was a play he should have made. Yeah, I just I was just wondering what the the response would be because. Mike Trout is, and you and I have had this conversation before about how he's in the second team in town in Orange County in Los Angeles. Uh, doesn't get a lot of fanfare, but if there's Trout jerseys and people supporting him, then that's a, that's a good thing. That's a positive. Yeah, I mean, he's still within baseball circles. I mean, fan, baseball fans, everyone knows how great he is. Everybody wants to see him. It's just, does he have the same Q rating, whatever they call it, as LeBron or some of these other guys? Of course not, but... Within baseball, everyone knows he's the best, and everybody wants to see him play. You know, uh, Father's Day is right around the corner, Jesse. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I've got competition out there. John Greenberg's got a book coming out, our pal, um, about the Cubs. Yeah, exactly. Who? And uh, but but you I'll, know, be the, your, I'll be in the column Friday for that. <laughs> yeah, pre, yeah, exactly. You'll be ripped apart for 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 your dad, for your grandfather. Try not to suck. The definitive bio on Joe Madden who uh, is, uh, you know, in his final year of a five-year deal. We, we don't know if he'll be back next year. So now's the time to get Try Not to Suck the paperback of it, uh, edition or the hardcover at Amazon, of course, and your local bookstore just in time for Father's Day. you got about oh, less than two weeks at this point. Pick it up now. Get it for Dad. Get it for Grandpa. Absolutely. See, don't forget the original, Try Not to Suck. There, the original. The original. That's right. You got it. That's exactly right. <laughs> Jesse, as always, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. J-Hood, yeah, have a great night. Talk to you soon, pal. There he is, Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN Shy Cubs. You know it would be really cool? It would be really cool if Matt Nagy decided, you know what, I'm going to provide the commencement speech for you, for your school. Imagine the head coach of the Bears being able to provide the commencement speech. He sits up there like he did at University of Delaware, his alma mater, and he speaks. I mean, that's just got to wow the room, right? On game days, I, I carry a 11 by 17 play call sheet. Because on each of my call sheets, uh, I always put a BU on the corner. And so the media, Chicago media, comes to me while, as I'm there this year. They say, what in the heck does that BU mean? What does that mean? So two years ago, I'm coaching with the Chiefs. Six games left to go in the year. Coach Reed decided to hand me the play call duties and said, this is your opportunity. Take it and run. We play the Titans in the playoffs. We're, we're doing well in the first half. Not doing so well in the second half. We're winning 20 to nothing. They come back and beat us. I forget to score. My, I, I don't even want to think about it. But I'm crushed. 
Well, it just so happens that in less than 12 hours, I got the biggest interview of my life. All of a sudden, my phone rings, and it's my oldest son, Braden. He's 13 years old at the time. And he goes, Dad, did you call the plays in the second half? And I did exactly that. And then I started laughing. I said, dude, I called the plays. Yes, I called the plays. Man, give me a break. He goes, Dad, Dad, you still going to get that interview tomorrow morning? And I said, yes, I'm going to get it. I'm, it I, I feel really, I'll be okay. Let me just get, he cut me off. He goes, Dad, he goes, tomorrow morning, just be you. So I hung on to that. And, and I said to myself, well, what does, what does BU mean? What's he trying to tell me? You know what he's trying to tell me? So this, is, this is what it is. Let your personality show. Live freely. Don't worry about what others think. Trust your instincts. It's believing in yourself more than any other human being in this world. That's what that is. That's what being you is. Now I become head coach of the Chicago Bears. And, and this is what my BU is now in our, for, for us with the Bears. It's trust your gut, take calculated risks, be different, stay humble, learn names, and most importantly, like my man right here, have fun. You start tonight, tomorrow, with your journey, there's going to be some ups and downs. That's okay. Follow your dream, right? And, and, just, and just stay with it. But no, things will happen for a reason. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. You're listening to my man's and them, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll hear from Ray Flores on the world of boxing and combat sports coming up this half hour here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Our combat sports analyst. Also, we'll talk White Sox with Jim Margulis coming up in 45 minutes. Jim Margulis from Sox Machine. SOX machine. If you type in something else, you won't get Sox machine, but you'll get something else. Jim Margulis will be with us at 910. Also, we'll take a look at the NBA draft. You know, it's 16 days away or something like that for the NBA draft. We will uh, talk to Deion Thomas from the greatest of all time in the state of Illinois. They ever play basketball. Uh, analyst for the Big Ten Network. We'll talk to him an hour from now. What should the Bulls do with that pick number seven in the first round? We'll hear it from Dion coming up in an hour from now here on ESPN 1000. Right now, it's time to bear down. So, so many question marks about the Bears coming into this season. Like, you know, when it comes to the Bears, the focal point for any team, especially a team that's supposed to do something, is the quarterback. I've mentioned to me, for Mitchell Trubisky, watching him for a full complement of games, did miss a few here and there, but the point is that to see him out there as a quarterback for the Bears, I thought there were more positives than negatives, more positives than question marks with Trubisky. You're looking for growth, obviously, when you look at Trubisky for the Bears, and Kyle Brandt was on Good Morning Football saying that Trubisky has to become a star in order for the Bears to win a Super Bowl. I will see the Chiefs' offense and Mahomes with the Bears' defense. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's, it's, I think it is an even more powerful force. I really do. I know that they lost Vic Fangio. I think Chuck Magano is going to be incredible. In fact, the players are already saying it doesn't feel any different. But I will say, I think... One of the most pivotal, pivotal, 
pivotal players in the whole league is Mitch Trubisky. And not best, not most important, just pivotal. Like, I think yeah. that he could wield the entire NFC based on how good he is or how short he comes. Because the defense is going to be great. The offense, they're ready. Yeah. He needs to have those big boy moments, like huge throws and huge games. Because, guys, last year, I mean, that, that was nonsense. He made the big throw, the kicker he thing. He drove him all the way down the field. It was the best him? throw of the season. Do you trust him, Kyle? I do based on that game. And yet... It's conflicting because he wasn't great in that game. The Bears did not score. I think, hey, if I'm being honest, I I would say not yet. Mm -hmm. And I know Nagy does. I trust the defense. I trust Mack. I trust Chuck Pagano, who hasn't done a thing yet. If Mitch Trubisky becomes a star, the Bears can win the Super Bowl this year. But he has Mm. to be a star. You know, it's funny. When you hear people try to analyze Mitch Trubisky, it's always that hesitation. I'm telling you straight up, like, Mitch Trubisky needs to be better next year, where I thought that he was a one-read quarterback, and when if Allen Robinson wasn't open, if Burton wasn't open, it's like, oh, I'm going to run with the football. He's not Michael Vick, okay? He can run with the football. That's an option, but it should not be his second option. There's got to be other guys open, and I guess, again, it all has to work in concert. The receivers have to be in concert with him and vice versa. But, uh, but it's always... When you hear the hesitation on Mitch Trubisky, like, yeah, I think he's good. Like, that's because you're not sure. I'm sure that he needs to be able to be better. Star, not sure about star, but definitely a quarterback that you could depend on to be able to get the ball down the field. The ball, there was too much, too much sleight of hand, too much side to side offensively for the Bears. It's got to go down the field because I believe without even being privy to the playbook, if you watch Matt Nagy at Kansas City and what they were doing with the Chiefs, uh, in its essence, in its core, the offense is supposed to go way down the field. It's got to go vertical instead of side to side. I thought there was a lot of sleight of hand with the offense to try to get points on the board. So Trubisky has to learn as we bear down right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. On the Chicago Tribune, Chicago Bears podcast, they were talking about some weapons for the uh, Chicago Bears with Mitch Trubisky. Tariq Cohen was on that uh, podcast talking about the wealth of offensive weapons for the team. It's great. You know, we have guys everywhere uh, that can score the ball, uh, that, you know, uh, just a threat to take the ball uh, 80 every single play. So that's going to be uh, the well for everybody individually. You know, uh, there won't be too many people getting double covered, uh, single matchups across the board. And that's really what you really want as an offense. So. I'm looking forward to it this season. What about his role in the offense, Tariq Cohen? Uh, I don't see anything, you know, affecting my role because I'm a kind of a uh, uh, do-it-all guy. You know, I fit the any mold. So I'm I'm just here to do uh, whatever they need me to do, whether it's in the backfield or whether it's in the receiving game or, or special teams. You know, I'm just here to do it and just put my two cents in where I can. So some thoughts there from Tariq Cohen for the Chicago Bears as we bear down with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So, again, when it comes down to the offense, it comes down to seeing how, yeah, there's a plethora of talent. Now, how's that talent manifest itself here with Mitch Trubisky? So we'll keep our eyes on that, obviously, as we get closer and closer to Bourbonnet. Uh Some thoughts about the Minnesota Vikings here. The Vikings prioritize the running game. All right. The Vikings prioritize the running game analytics be damned, as it says here from the athletic.com. After spending $5 million a year on a running back in free agency in 2017, uh, they then drafted another one with their first pick a few months later. So no Latavius Murray leaving. Of course, he's left last year. 
the Vikings decided to select Alexander Madison in the third round of the 2019 draft, just one round later when they were able to get Dalvin Cook just two years before. So spending a second or third round pick on a running back isn't unusual for the Vikings, even as a backup. You know, Jerick McKinnon was meant to be a backup, then potentially replace Adrian Peterson, who was a third round pick. Toby Gerhardt was never meant to replace Peterson and then went on to the second round. So the running game will be something interesting for the Vikings. I think defensively that they're, they've been tight. They've been strong for a long time. Now I want to see how that running game is able to develop. Now, by the way, there was this is the guy that you're listening to right now that believed that Minnesota was going to get to the Super Bowl last year because all they needed was a quarterback. And then you saw Kirk Cousins underachieve and wet, and wet himself. So that wasn't good. Now you got to have weapons around him clearly because Kirk Cousins by himself with his arm is not going to be the guy that's going to lead you to the promised land. You need others. And so that's why they're looking at the um, the running back spot uh, for sure. All right. And then the um, what is going on with the Lions? Because the Lions are... Yes. You know, for a franchise that's really had some uh, some underachievement here, I don't know if they should be called the Lions anymore. <laughs> like that Lion sounded tough. I don't know any Lion that is that tough on that football team. Maybe Stafford. <laughs> Maybe. Um, you know, there's a piece in the Athletic about um, about uh, Matt Stafford and how come they're not looking at a backup quarterback or a viable backup quarterback. Stafford's fine. You want to be able to get a good one, sure, but they're not addressing it in the draft or free agency as far as a viable backup. So that's that's not uh, something they're looking at. But there's a couple of things about the Lions. Best player on the in the draft, Taylor Decker, after a standout rookie campaign during which he lasted all 16 games. Decker missed half of the 2017 season with a shoulder injury. The best value is Graham Glasnow. After coming off the bench for the first five games, the rookie Glasnow has started 43 straight games for the Lions, so that's pretty solid. But the biggest miss for them is Miles Killebrew. 66 total tackles in the first two seasons. Killebrew managed only seven stops in 2018 as his role diminished from some defense to practically no defense. Um, and so the Lions, you know, it, it, they have. A, I thought they had a good draft last year. Now... Are they anywhere close to the Bears or the Green Bay Packers or the Vikings, for that matter, uh, in the division? I could see the Lions probably languishing again in last place in the North. And that's our bear down right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. We'll get to the Packers tomorrow because uh, there's some Packers news that we got to get to. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is spending his offseason drinking a lot of beers at Bucks games. Um, and not very well, by the way. He doesn't do it like the Bears do. The Bears offensive linemen and Trubisky, they get after it. And Aaron Rodgers likes to slip his beer, as we saw at um, at the Pfizer Forum. Uh, so what happened over the weekend? There's a first ever that happened in boxing. We discuss it next. Jonathan Hood. So pay attention to my word, because it's the truth. Meditation is the mind. It brings the youth. It's like a verse you could never read out of a book. Dropping the line in your mind like a fish hook. On ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Joshua with the hard jab. Trying to answer, but he's safe and he's down again. Wow. Joshua left. Yes. Mouthpiece came flying out of his mouth. Six, seven, eight. He's been down four times. Hey, turn around. You got it. Joshua turning to his corner. He's got to be careful here. He's got to stay engaged. Where is his mouthpiece? Ready to box. 
Joshua looks so tired. I think he wants out. He says that's it. Andrew Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Right there on the zone, we have a new heavyweight champion. His name is Andy Ruiz Jr. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app on Under the Hood, this portion of which is brought to you by Bird Dogs, the most comfortable shorts known to man. Go to birddogs.com and use promo code ESPN and get a free pair of nunchucks with your shorts. Ray Flores is our combat sports expert, works for Showtime and PBC on FS1. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Ray, hello. Jonathan, long time no talk. It has been way too long between our conversations, my man. Good evening from Southern California. Sir, Andy Ruiz Jr. is the heavyweight champion. What was your initial reaction just to see that? Unbelievable history. I mean, just the his journey, his ability to take a fight on short notice, being the underdog, being chastised by people because he doesn't have a certain physique, and to go out there at the Garden. They had their famous bell ringer, Jonathan, as you so eloquently point out. Yes, sir. And that bell ringer rang the bell at the end of the seventh round as there's a new champion in the heavyweight division, and he's Andy Ruiz Jr. Andy Ruiz Jr., and the story is he took the fight two months. Uh, on two months' notice, he was 11-1 underdog in the fight, putting him up there with a list of notable upset winners of the heavyweight title in the past 45 years. So so how remarkable is this? Because people will compare this to Buster Douglas. Where do you place this among some of the best upsets in the sport? I, I think it is. I think that Andy was overlooked coming into the fight because he, he did fight for a world title one time before that. He lost to Joseph Parker in Australia, a fight that was very close. Very good hand speed. Terrific amateur career, but people overlooked him. I think it was an upset, yes, but I don't think it was one of these all-time, et cetera, et cetera, because of his amateur background and what he has been able to accomplish in the pros. He only has one loss, and that was a very close fight, Jonathan, as I pointed out, but it's still a very momentous occasion for Andy Ruiz. So what does this do for Joshua? Anthony Joshua uh, was was someone that was unbeatable. Did he take Ruiz lightly? I don't think he took Andrew Ruiz lightly. I just think he got into a fight where he knocked him down in the third Jonathan, and he thought he was going to be able to steamroll him. And then he realized, hey, it's not going to be this easy. And Anthony Joshua started to realize that he was in some deep waters, and Andy Ruiz was not going to stop. So it kind of showed that Anthony Joshua, he was knocked down three other times prior to the stoppage. He has heart. It's a learning experience, though. Jonathan, so many people think about that undefeated record like it is paramount. It is important, but if you take one loss, that's okay. So many people want to write off individuals after one loss, and we'll see what Anthony Joshua's made out of following this. Uh, Ray Flores with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. By the way, this story coming across about the Golden State Warriors uh, forward Kevon Looney suffered a fracture in his collarbone and will be out indefinitely in the NBA Finals. Looney underwent uh, an MRI on Monday. That's from Adrian Wojnarowski uh, from ESPN. So, you know, from a technical standpoint, Ray, here, here's what stood out to me. It wasn't people are looking at the, the power punches. Yes, it was prevalent. Yes, he had power punches. I thought the jabs... Uh, from, from Ruiz was very good as well. That kept him in the fight. It, it wasn't as much, many as Joshua, but I just thought his jabs, I thought that set up some of the power punches that we saw, which he had a lot of. 
Jonathan, I totally agree with you. This is what you're one of the smartest minds when it comes to talking about combat sports in the entire country. Anthony Andy Ruiz Jr. has very good fundamentals. He was putting that jab. He was pushing the jab up. He was a shorter man. He was pushing that jab up in the face of Anthony Joshua. And Joshua didn't have time to be able to set up that right hand and was being pestered constantly by Andy Ruiz. Also, Ruiz's footwork and his movement, he's a big guy, but Jonathan, he's so agile and athletic that it had Anthony Joshua's timing off. There's no question. So but uh, so I, I need to get into this because um I need the exclusive here. I, I saw you <laughs> I saw you on Twitter, Ray. And you're not uh-huh. you're not very happy with uh, with the, the the great Stephen A. Smith from ESPN about what he tweeted about um, about this young man because I think I would agree with you that Ruiz deserved better than be called you know Butterbean. Um, so what is your your biggest beef with Stephen A. because of his comments? Look, this doesn't just stem Jonathan from this fight. This stems from his. He's just so incompetent and has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to boxing. So I am using your show right now, and I'm calling Stephen A. Smith. I'm calling fights throughout the next couple months, including Manny Pacquiao and Steve Thurman, for the international audience. Stephen A., you want to come? I ask you, I beg you, come sit to me ringside and let me allow you to educate you on the sport of boxing, something you are totally off base on. Calling Andy Ruiz Jr. Butterbean then going ahead and saying how the fight with Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder is ruined. Manny Pacquiao lost to Juan Manuel Marquez years ago, yet Pacquiao Mayweather happened in which Stephen A. Smith was front and center, hanging out. But did that fight get ruined? No. Stephen A. Smith needs a history lesson, Jonathan, and guess what? I'm gonna, I have my Ph.D., and I'm going to give it to Stephen A. Smith by imparting my boxing knowledge. Stephen A., anytime, anywhere. Come to next to me, ringside at a fight. You'll thank me later. So you're going to educate Stephen on the on the sweet science. Is that what you're saying, Ray? That is exactly the case, Jonathan. I will absolutely give him a crash course, and maybe it'll wake him up instead of saying senseless facts like calling Andy Ruiz Jr., the heavyweight champion in the world, Butterbean. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll pass that along to Steve. Maybe he'll stop by. Now, what's what's your next fight? Now, what, what's your next assignment? Now, what are you doing next? So, so I'm I'm going to go to the world of women's mixed martial arts and Victor Fighting Championships on Friday in uh, Kansas City at the Memorial Auditorium, mm-hmm. and then uh, moving forward from that, I'll become the international of the uh, Jam- Jamel Charlo and also a Jorge Cota fight that'll be for that'll be on Fox June. June 23rd, uh, June 30th, June 29th, they'll be calling the international Jamal Charlo, Brandon Adams. But Jonathan, very excited for um, Pacquiao and Thurman fight week. I'll be all over that in the middle of July. And, hey, last time I checked, my man, uh, you are due for a vacation. So, by all means, you are more than welcome to join us in Las Vegas during uh, the week of July 13th through the 20th. Oh, another vacation. Uh, so, so, but I, I, lastly, I want you to tell me what does this mean for the country of Mexico, what Ruiz did, because first, um, uh, a champion of Mexican descent, what does this mean for the country? Jonathan, it was so historic. I was working the FS1 show after I got done. Uh, I'm there in one of the lounges, you know, with the girlfriend. We're watching this fight unfold. Uh-huh. And when it happened, it's just me being a Mexican-American. It gave me such pride and honor as to say, finally, it happened. 
heavyweight champion of the world, and he just he, he looks the part. I mean, he looks just you know like the common guy, but he works his butt off. This is unbelievable, Jonathan. This is there's an iconic picture of Andy Ruiz standing over Anthony Joshua, much like when Muhammad Ali did that. And this is the third anniversary of his passing. Symbolic. This is monumental for Mexican-Americans and Mexicans all over the world. This was just an unbelievable moment, one that I will never forget, and I carry with me moving forward for the rest of my life. Say in Spanish what you said when you saw him win. What did you say? I said, Que viva Mexico, que viva Andy Ruiz. Sabor caliente, vamos. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. <laughs> You're listening to Jonathan Hood. I'm all in my bag as hard as it gets. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.